and amen. Well, a very big welcome in the room. If you're joining us from wherever you are in the world, it's awesome that you could join us here. We are broadcasting from the Victory Life Church Boswell location. So for all of you in the room, why don't you give those folk around the world a very big welcome. It's awesome that we can join together as one family. Awesome that we can be together. We've been journeying through a couple of scriptures, and we've been having a look at what it means to have faith in the crazy, faith in the different, faith in the supernatural, faith in the peculiar. And this past weekend, both online and you in the room, we had a message which was looking at what it means to have faith. How's your loading? How's your downloading of faith going? Are you, are you getting confidence? Are you, are you building a hope? Have you declared Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior? Have you moved on to the evidence, the assurance, the grace that comes from having a full revelation of faith? Tonight I wanted to pick up on a thought, on a process, on a, on a thing that we discussed on Sunday that might have had some of us thinking a whole lot this weekend. I might have had some of us thinking through a little bit more about faith since the weekend. Can you remember what that last piece of our download of faith was? On Sunday, we discussed, hey, that the last piece is understanding that we are not the only ones who have faith, that Jesus has faith in us. Are we, are we together? Did you remember that at home? Did you type that in the chat room? We have faith. He has faith in us. And that Because he has faith in us, because he has a hope in us, because he has a a, a trust in us, he's not trusting us, he's trusting the promised word of God in us. And even though we are broken, even though we aren't able to walk out the full fulfillment of God's word, because Jesus has faith in us, we can walk out in the full glory of God's promise, even though on our own we can't fulfill it. While we were yet sinners, God loved us. While we were still broken, while we couldn't fill up the glass to full, He came along, found us where we're at, what level we were at, and poured over and overflowed blessing because He topped us up and filled us up. And even though we didn't know Him, even though we were far away from Him, even though we didn't really have it all together, He still had faith, so much faith in the promised Word of God in your life, that he knew that if we just gave our lives to him, his faith would cover our faith, and as a result, there would be a glory to glory. There would be a move into blessing. Come on now, that should have got a big amen. I can see the amens in the chat room. But the the problem is, is that we have got works-based in our thinking, and we think we have to have faith in Jesus to see the blessing flow in our lives. That's completely contrary to grace. Grace is saying, believe in Jesus, have faith in him, and then let his faith become the full accomplishment of who you are. All we have to do is turn to Jesus, faith of a mustard grain. We turn to Jesus, and then the power of his faith in us moves the mountain. All we have to do is have the first part of saying, I believe I'm not enough. I believe that Jesus will make me whole, and that's all I have to have faith in. My faith is just to orientate my life towards Jesus. When his faith comes into me, I'm in you and you are in me. When his faith comes into me, I am then able 
to move mountains. It's not my faith. It's not my works. It's not the things that I do that moves the mountains. No, it's Jesus in me who has faith in the promises of God in my life, so much so that they are reality even though they haven't yet happened. And even while I'm floundering from a hopelessness because I'm not seeing it happen, Jesus's faith carries me through the times when I can't see God's promise because he is so assured of God's promise in my life that it will be fulfilled. Come on now, that's good news. That means I don't have to work hard and find faith and dig deep and push through the trial. No, in the trial, I have faith in Jesus. And I know that his belief in me will see me through the trial and I can move the mountain, not because of my faith, but because of his faith in me. Amen? That's grace. No wonder the scripture in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 8, and if you're in the room, you might want to open up your sermon notes. They're on the app. If you're online, you can open up the Bible app. You can click on the notes tab or open up the app and click on the online location. In the room, you can click on the Boswell location. It says this in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 8. For it is by grace you have been saved. It doesn't say by your faith in Jesus you have been saved. Grace is a gift of faith from the Father to us, not our works of faith from us to the Father. It is by grace that I have been saved. How? Through faith. <laughs> it's through faith. It's my faith and belief in Jesus that incurs his faith and belief in me, and the combination of my belief in Jesus even though I'm broken, even though I'm not whole, even though I'm not complete, even though I haven't got it all together, it's my faith in Jesus that stirs his faith in me and completes the grace cycle. I turn to Jesus. He gives me the power to turn back to him. I turn to him. He gives me more power. I turn back to him. He gives me more power. The mountain has moved. I declare his name. The next mountain comes across my path. I move it again in the name of Jesus. And grace, even though I am trembling inside, even though I'm ill inside, even though I have ailments, even though I have problems, I can call upon the faith that Jesus has in me and know that it's perfect and complete. And that gift of faith that Jesus has in me it's called grace. And it's by that grace, the fact that Jesus has faith in you in your broken state, it's by that grace that we are saved. Does that make sense? And so when we have a look at that scripture, we see that faith plays an integral part of grace. It's the blend of our faith and Jesus' faith in us that causes grace to save us that causes grace to give us power, that causes grace to stir us forward. But then let's have a look at that scripture in conjunction with Galatians chapter 2 and verse 16. Have a look at what Galatians 2 verse 16 says. We know full well that we don't receive God's perfect righteousness as a reward for keeping the law. Oh, praise the Lord, we're not keeping the law. We've been learning that from Pastor Dwayne over the last few weeks, that hey, we're not keeping the law. Praise the Lord, I don't have to worry about the festival of booths and taking up an animal to sacrifice and all those things. Amen? Amen? If you think that you've got a long list of things to do in your life right now, you don't want to add the list of keeping the law to your things to do list. Oh, I just had a bad thought. Better go and find a dove. Oh, looked at that, that sheep as if it was my own. That's lust. Better go and find a 
grain offering. Can you imagine? But while we are making those mistakes, the law was judging us. But when Jesus came to demonstrate his grace, now all of a sudden he introduced faith in us, not judgment in us. Amen? And so as a result, we can't be made righteous by the law. We can't even be made righteous by our law, our things to do list to be faithful. How many of you have got a things to do list to be faithful at the beginning of every year? I've got a things to do list to be faithful. I am going to be faithful to my diet. I am going to be faithful and go to gym. And gym's not J-I-M. I'm going to be faithful. I'm going to do all things. I'm going to be at church. I am not just going to be there at Easter. I'm going to be, I'm going to share. I'm going to prophesy. I'm going to preach. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to. And we make a list of all the things that we call ourselves New Year's resolution. The law of the next year. How many of you know that you're not made righteous by keeping your own law? How many of you know that you're not made righteous by keeping the laws that others impose upon you? Laws imposed upon you when it comes to the relationship of the Father is called religion. And it's going to break you. It's going to hurt you. It's going to cripple you. Because why? Religion doesn't place faith in you like Jesus does. Religion places judgment in you. And judgment leads to death. Amen? How many of you feel like at the end of the day, because your list is not complete, that you'd just rather die? I mean, come on. <sighs> our lists and our laws don't save us. We're not made righteous by the law. As a reward for keeping the law. How many of you have ever walked around going, oh, I did it. <laughs> Look at me. I'm so good. I'm so full of myself. I went to gym four times a week, every week for 52 weeks of the year. Look at me. And then I hit Thanksgiving and everything goes out the window because I eat too much. And I'm gutted. Am I the only sinner in the room? We get the cycle of trying to keep the law, break the law, keep the law, break the law, keep the law, break the law, keep the law, break the law. And in the end, we don't get any power. We're under condemnation. Have a look. We are made right, how? By the faith of Jesus. His faithfulness, say it with me at home, His faithfulness, not ours. We are made right by His faith in us, not our faith in Him. We have to place our faith in Him to initiate his faith in us, but it's not the faith in him that saves us. Oh, I believe in Jesus. Amen. What a glorious moment when you put your hand up and you say, yes, I believe in Jesus. But are you walking out the power that his faith in you brings the moment you put your faith in him? When you put your faith in him, in that moment, his faith is birthed on the inside of you. And as a result, the power and the glory of faith and supernatural and peculiar different living begins to emerge and mountains are moved. It is the faith of Christ, Christ's actual faith in us that justifies us and makes us righteous. If faith is just a human belief structure and not a supernatural gateway... And I say that again. If faith is just a human belief structure and not a gateway to the supernatural, it's pretty boring. Oh, I've got to go to church again. 
www.live.vl.church. Here we go again. And we get into the rut of just doing our faith. Faith is a supernatural experience in the midst of difficulties to overcome in the name of Jesus. Faith is a supernatural experience in the midst of difficulties to overcome in the name of Jesus. We don't overcome difficulties by being bored and sitting at home condemned because we haven't done a group of laws or a group of belief structures. And so faith of Jesus never wavers. So if all I have to do is put my faith in Jesus and believe that he believes in me, my faith is perfect. All I have to do is get over myself and believe that I'm not so bad that Jesus can't have faith in me. That the word that's in me is stronger than any desire that I have in me. That the word spoken over me is a greater promise than the condemnation I walk. That's good. I hope you're getting it more than you're getting it here in the room. Because at home, you should be clicking those little hearts right now. Condemnation and not fear is actually preventing full faith from being operating in your life. It's not fear. Everyone says, well, well faith, the opposite of fear is doubt. and uh, The opposite of faith is fear and doubt. No, the, op- the opposite of Jesus' faith operating in you is condemnation because when we get into a space of con- condemnation, unbelief, unforgiveness, when we get into that space, we are denying that Jesus believes in us and we're saying that we're not good enough for Jesus to believe in me. And as a result, we can have all the faith in the world in Jesus, but if we don't believe that Jesus has faith in me, the power is not released. Am I making sense? I hope so. Human faith will waver continually, but his faith in us never wavers. His faith in us is grace. His grace in us is favor, is power. And so when we have a look at the scripture in Romans chapter 12, verse 6 to 9, now it makes sense when we read the gifts of scripture, when we read the scripture about power and about being able to step out of our comfort zone and overcome mountains, now it begins to make sense. Let's have a look at Romans chapter 12 and verse 6. God's marvelous grace imparts to each one of us varying gifts and ministries that are uniquely ours. Who imparts it to us? Through his? His marvelous grace is Jesus' faith in us while we were still broken. We don't deserve him to believe in us, but he believes in us nonetheless. Amen? The ability for God through Jesus Christ to believe in you even though you are broken gives you strength, power, and ministries. Huh? That's pretty peculiar. Because the world will look at your resume and go, no, you don't quite make the mark. This job is not yours. God looks at you, and the more broken you are, the more faith he imparts, the greater the faith he imparts, the greater your power. Where you are weak, I will make you strong. Amen. Amen. As a result, God's marvelous grace gives us gifts. It imparts to us various gifts. So if God has given you the grace gift of prophecy, you must activate your gift by using the proportion of faith you have to prophesy. Did you notice what the scripture called the gift to prophesy? He called the gift a grace gift. 
How many of you have heard somebody stand up and say, I have the gift of prophecy. I am a prophet. No. Jesus has faith in me and believes the word in me so much that I give the word to somebody else and speak a word of prophetic. It's the faith that Jesus has in me that bestows the grace gift of the prophetic in my life. So when I'm stepping into supernatural peculiar gifts, I'm not stepping into gifts that I learned as a, as a, as a, as a kid. I'm not stepping into gifts that because my dad was a prophet, I become a prophet and everybody else in my family are prophets. No, when I start believing that in that moment, I don't have the answer from scripture, but I believe that Jesus, through his faith in me, will provide an answer. I become a prophetic channel for his promised word. It's a grace gift. And we keep going. If your grace gift is serving, then thrive in serving others well. If Jesus could have enough faith in his disciples to wash their feet, I can get a picture of Jesus' faith and servanthood in my life. Not that I'm the big servant. I don't particularly like washing people's feet. Done it a few times in the Christian faith. Been there, done that, got the washcloth, and I'm not too inspired to wash people's feet. But you know what? If the master of the universe can wash someone's feet, and he believes in me so much, I am humbled. And I can do even the things that I don't like doing. If not my cup, if not my will, then your will, Father. You see, it's Jesus' spoken word in my life, not my convincing myself that I'm a servant that gives me grace gift of service. And so it continues right the way through that scripture. Every supernatural, every peculiar, every gift that the Holy Spirit will impart upon you is not because of an ability that you have, but because Jesus has faith in you. Now, if Jesus believes that I can give a prophetic word, I'll give it. If Jesus believes that I can wash feet, I'll wash feet. If Jesus believes that I can give the gift of encouragement, I'll encourage. If Jesus believes that in my broken state I can give, I will give. If Jesus believes that I am, I am, I am good enough to lead and him through me can lead others to Jesus, I will lead with diligence. I'm just reading the scripture. I'm just reading what Romans chapter 12 says. Romans chapter 12 says that if you get Jesus having faith in you to accomplish these things, you won't just accomplish them. You will go on and you will do more than just accomplish them. But while we operate in our own faith gift, it will go there and no further. As soon as we believe that Jesus Christ has faith in me to deliver that gift, man, watch it become supernatural and move a mountain. That should have got a rapturous applause. And so it goes right through that scripture saying that, hey, if you get Jesus' faith in you, you can do these things in a great way. But what? We don't stand up because we fear that we, we, we're not going to follow through. How many of us are a bit reserved about becoming a life group leader because we're worried if we're going to actually see it through? Oh, the first time Leanne and I became a life group leader, Leanne was worried about making sure that the house was all neat and tidy, that everything was straightened, everything was good. And I mean, we cleaned for about four hours before a two-hour life group. The ratio's not right. Something's wrong here. Kids were mopping. Dad was sweeping. I mean, if you know my wife, you know what I'm speaking is true. Pillows were squared away. 
everything was in the ratio of amount of work we put in. And I went to myself, this is not sustainable. We can't do life group. This is not sustainable. My wife quickly learned that the power of the Holy Spirit arrives in the room and everybody looks around the room and sees wonders and signs. They don't see if the floor has been swept. So who cares? And now we can get stuck into a sustainable life group where discovering purpose and discovering the supernatural flows before the vacuum cleaner does. Am I making sense? We, get, we worry if on our own strength, if we can follow through with things. We don't get down to serving in the church. We don't commit to long-term relationships. We give up and throw it away for divorce because we don't believe that Jesus has the faith in us to see that difficult relationship through through the blessing. So we give up before we follow through because it's based on our own faith which will fail as opposed to the assurance of Jesus' faith in us to achieve the impossible. Oh, I can't go on. No, you'll never be able to go on on your own faith. That's just a mustard grain. But Jesus' faith in you will move the mountain and you'll be able to press through. That's why Jesus taught things like don't give up on marriage. Don't give up on one another. Don't give up on your enemies. Continue to love them. Why? Because he knew that our faith would limit us and we wouldn't want to do it because there would be lack of follow through. But he knew that if we got a revelation of his faith in us, we'd be able to follow through and become more than just conquerors. Amen? We don't stand up often because we fear our ability to follow through. I've often been told, I remember my dad. I started building this elaborate tree hut, this tree house. And we had a, 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 a factory near our home in Cape Town, South Africa. And they used to make wooden products. And there was this big bin outside and they used to throw all their offcuts of wood into this bin. And I would go on my little bicycle up the road by three blocks and I would balance strips of wood across my handlebars and I would ride back and I was building this tree house. But I quickly realized that the materials that were putting, putting, put in the box weren't sufficient for my plans. Because if I had to build the plan, I'd need whole logs of wood. I wouldn't just need some scraps. And so my dad came home from work one day, and up in the tree was this half-built hovel, kind of half a wall and half a window and half a floor and wasn't really built. And he looked at me and said, Craig, your problem is that you don't finish what you start. You need to finish what you start. How many of you know that on our own strength we can finish nothing? But with Jesus' faith in us, you know what? We already see ourselves at the finish and at the start, because God is our Alpha and Omega. Death becomes an end. We can't finish the proper life because of death. So faith in Jesus' faith in us even removed death, so that death wouldn't even prevent us from finishing what he started in us. You see, his faith in us empowers us, not our working up our faith. I'm healed not because of my faith in Jesus' healing. No, I am healed because of Jesus' faith of the word of God of healing that's spoken into my life. 
I don't have to come to the front and go, oh, I hope, I hope, I hope, I hope. No, I can stand up there and I know that Jesus wants me well. I know that Jesus wants the healing word of God to come to fruition in my life. And I don't have to hope it up, faith it up, wish it up, or try and work it up. Jesus has already accomplished that healing. He's already spoken that healing. And he has all faith and assurance that what he has spoken will and can come to fruition in my life. Faith healing is not my faith healing. It's Jesus' faith healing me. Am I making sense? I hope I'm making sense to you at home. But sometimes we get to places in our lives where we lose touch with the faith of Jesus in our lives. So we feel like we just can't be enough. We just can't get enough. We're filled, but we're not full. Ever felt like that? I've got everything I need. I have a comfortable life, but I don't have a world-changing, impactful life that I, that I dreamed of having. Why? Because we've lost touch with the perfecter of our faith. Have a look at what it says in Hebrews 12, verse 1 to 3. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, look to your left and your right, type in the chat room, I'm surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. Oh, come on, I'm hearing the chat room more than I'm hearing the room. We are surrounded by witnesses of what? Witnesses in the courtroom of the evidence of God's fulfilled word. Remember, faith is the assured expectation, the evidence of the things hoped for, though not yet beheld. Interesting that Hebrews chapter 11 speaks about evidence, and then Hebrews chapter 12 speaks about the witnesses to the evidence. If you're lacking in seeing Jesus' faith in you, get with some witnesses who've seen the activated word of God in their lives and watch you being stirred on. But if you're going to get with witnesses to the lies of Satan, watch them rob you of the faith of Jesus in you. Are you, are you, you getting me? I'm surrounded by a cloud of witnesses. Cloud of witnesses to what? To the fulfilled, activated word of God in their lives. The evidence of the things hoped for. Jesus has already done what he set out to be done. That's why he said it is done. That is the evidence of the things hoped for. The things hoped for are the promises of God yet to be fulfilled in my life. I base the desire, the faith I have in God's promises, I base that on the activated word that's already happened. If I go into my son's room and I ask him, did you wash your car today? And he says, yes, dad. And I go out and I check the evidence and he's washed his car. I go there the next day, and I say, have you washed your car today? And I go back to his car, and he's washed his car. How many of you know that I can continue asking him, but slowly but surely, the trip to the garage to see if he's actually washed it will slowly but surely get less and less? Because the more he speaks it, and the more I see it, the more evidence that he has that what he says he's done is done. So therefore, when I go into his room the next day and say, what you're doing tomorrow? And he says, I'm going to wash my car. I haven't seen him wash his car yet, but I'm so assured that he's going to wash his car tomorrow, even though it hasn't happened, because I've seen him do it according to what he said before. Am I making sense? I see God's word activated in my life, and I get evidence of what he's spoken in my life. So when I go to the Lord for a promise... Through Jesus Christ, faith in me, it's a promise, it's grace. I go to the Lord and I say, hey, Father, I need some healing. And he promises me healing through Jesus' faith in me. I don't have to run around trying to stir up the healing. 
I get myself around other people who've seen the fulfilled will of God in their lives. And as a result of being around the witnesses of the evidence, it builds assurance in the promise. Don't get yourselves around bad people. Don't get yourselves around people that are going to rob you of the promise of the faith of Jesus in your life. 1 Corinthians 15.33, bad associations spoil useful habits. Don't get yourself around witnesses to Satan's lie because they're going to get you distracted from Jesus' faith. By such a great cloud of witnesses, that scripture says, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Verse 2, doing what? Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of what? Of faith. Not our faith. He was the perfecter of the entire definition of faith. So when we go back to Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 1, and it says, faith is the assured expectation, the evidence of the things hoped for, though not yet beheld, Jesus is the perfecter of that definition. So he carries an assured expectation of the things hoped for, the evidence of the things not yet beheld, when he looks at you. He carries an assurance that the word of God, the promise of God, is going to happen in your life, despite your circumstance. When he looks at you, he sees with assurance the fulfilled promise of God. He doesn't see the broken circumstance. He is the perfecter of the definition of faith in you. How cool is that? Jesus has faith too. The faith of Jesus. We read it in our first scripture. And he is the complete definition of Hebrews 11 verse 1. He is the perfecter of that definition. He walks around in anticipation, excitement. He looks at you, and in your brokenness, in your shame, in your degradation, in your feeling like you're not good enough, in your feeling like everyone's speaking about you, that's everybody in the heavens is speaking about you. Ever thought about that? You're not so important on earth that human beings speak enough about you. You are important in heaven that all the angels are speaking about you. Amen? Amen. And so there's this feeling that everyone's talking about you. Everybody's against you. Everybody, and he looks at that and he doesn't see any of that. He sees the fulfilled word of God so tangible, so real, because he is the beginning and he is the end of that word. And he can see the end of that word in your life. If you will just turn your faith in that moment to Jesus' faith in you and believe that he believes in you, watch the mountain be cast into the sea. Amen. This is the faith of Jesus. For the joy, what joy set before Jesus? What joy did Jesus have set before him? He sits there at the moment of the cross, about to bleed to death, about to be hurt, about to be put through all sorts of torment and shame. And then once that's finished, he has to go and face off with Satan, the devil, over hell and Gehenna and Hades and death. And he has to conquer all of that. Then he has to come back to a whole bunch of people that would initially believe that he was resurrected, but then slowly wane off and not believe in his resurrection anymore. And all of that he, he, he faced with joy. Why? Because he didn't see the rejection. He saw the acceptance of God's word for you. He didn't look on mass and see you accepting God's word. No, he looked at you through the eye of faith, assured expectation of the things hoped for, the evidence of the things not yet beheld, and you could see with joy the word of God getting into your DNA and changing your life forever. That's what he saw. Now, that's a whole lot of joy. I don't know about you, but that's a whole lot of joy set before me. 
I'll go through that difficulty if I'm assured that the outcome is going to be eternal. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you may not grow weary and lose heart, so that you may not lose your human faith. You continue looking towards him, the perfecter of faith. When it comes to Jesus' faith in you, it is perfect, it is complete, and there is no doubt. Amen? Amen. So before we go to the chat room, before you start chatting about this, before we start chatting amongst ourselves, let's pray together. You can jump in the chat room while we chat about the message here, and we'll be sure to share all that we learn with one another on Facebook through the week. So let's pray together as one family, and then we'll discuss it amongst ourselves. Father God, we thank you for this word. We thank you for your faith in us. We thank you that you are a complete God of our faith, that you have sent Jesus to be the perfection of faith the fullness of your grace in us. Father, thank you that we don't have to stir up faith. We just have to have a little bit of a mustard seed of faith. And Jesus' faith steps in and power is what follows. Father, thank you for all of that you've taught us today. Thank you for your word. Thank you for showing us great and marvelous and wonderful mysteries and the simplicity of faith. And we pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Well, thank you so much for joining us online. We look forward to seeing you through the course of the week and weekend. Why don't you jump in the chat room, share with one another, click on that I raise my hand banner if something changed in your life today. We're looking forward to sending you a personalized email. We love you. Thank you so very much for joining us, and we'll see you again very soon at Victory Life Church online. 